I am that I am, I believe, is, uh, is his name. The babe that you've been holding is God Almighty, amen, the great I am. Well, God bless you for being here this morning. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to uh, where well, we're going to be looking at several different passages, but our main one's going to be in Isaiah chapter 61. And uh, of course, that is a very familiar text that the Lord Himself in uh, Luke chapter 4 repeated. And uh, of course, the prophet Isaiah, he, he didn't really know. He didn't know who those verses were talking about. You and I know who they're talking about because the Lord Jesus Christ claimed them for Himself. <clears throat> I... Uh, I've been preaching now for 33 years. Well, I guess preaching only for about 30. started preaching probably three years, three and a half years after I, I came to know the Lord. started teaching Sunday school just a year after. But uh, through the past 33, 34 years, I have run into some really uh, good preachers. Uh, one of which comes and, and preaches to us here uh, a lot, Scotty McDowell. Uh, I love to listen to Brother Scotty. Amen. Amen. Uh, I know that Miss Miss Kathy has has uh, her uh, hooks in Don Bush, and she is uh, she loves him and is is uh, very appreciative of his ministry and the preaching that he has done throughout her life and her her life for the Lord. We all have. Uh, our favorites, boy, I can think of some on the radio and uh, iPods and things like that. I lost one of my favorites, Brother R.C. Sproul. Uh, been one of my mentors for years, and he went to meet the Lord last year. Uh, another one of my favorites is Ravi Zachariah. don't know if you have uh, heard of him or know him, but uh, he just went to be with the Lord just a few months ago. Uh, these men were were. Absolutely phenomenal uh, preachers and teachers of the Word of God. Uh, the the world is uh, worse off because they're gone. Amen. But I know, uh, like I preached at a funeral the other day, heaven's a little bit sweeter with them there. But um, I, I think of John MacArthur. He's still, I guess, uh, one of my favorites that is still uh, alive on the earth today. A lot of uh, good men have gone on before. Boy, I mean, how do you how do you mention or give a list of of uh, preachers of the Word of God without mentioning Billy Graham? Amen. My word, what a what a uh, just a bulwark of of uh, theology and uh, he was so simple though, wasn't he? Uh, I think of R.C. Sproul and and people like Ravi Zachariah. Boy, I mean, he was like. Uh, I had to listen to his stuff like four or five times to to uh, get half of what it was that he was putting out there. But um, Billy Graham was just so simple. He, he preached the cross, just the cross, the message of the cross, the power of the cross, the power of the blood of Christ, one millions to the Lord. How do you how do you you know look at men like that? And then realize that, wow, God has me standing behind a pulpit. 
And I, I think, you know, none of those men, there, there are no great men of God. There are only men uh, of a great God. But the greatest preacher, the greatest preacher that I have ever, uh, can't say heard, but in a sense heard, read behind, is of course the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no, nobody on the planet that has ever walked on the planet, that has ever held the Bible, that has ever read the Word of God, that has ever preached a sermon, that, uh, that, that taught and preached the way that Jesus Christ Himself taught and preached. You, you can look at Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21. And uh, let me turn there. I want to look at that right quick. I know I've uh, got a long way to go and a short time to get there. But in, indulge me, if you will. Matthew one twenty one. it says this, And she shall bring forth a son. Uh, Paul was just singing, basically, uh, about this, this verse. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Jesus. Now that's the official name of the greatest preacher that ever walked the face of the earth. It was given to the Lord because it's the name itself is an object lesson of what the mission was that He had. God sent Him. God gave His only begotten Son. You know, sent Him from heaven to earth. And He was on a mission. And that mission was to save. That's all. Just to save. You know what the name Jesus means? It means Savior. And then, of course, you realize that you, if you go down to Mexico and you call out you know, in a stadium soccer crowd or whatever's going on, a bullfighting or whatever, and you get on a microphone and you say, uh, would Jesus please come down to the telephone? Half the stadium would come down. So uh, there, there's millions of people named Jesus. But how do you make the distinction between the one that we're talking about and the ones that are all over the earth? Well, it goes like this. Jesus Christ. That is the anointed. That's what Savior, I mean Christ means. The anointed one, the Savior. The anointed Savior. And when we're talking about uh, He came here, gave up heaven, put on flesh, became a man, went to the cross, shed His blood, and died that He might save people unto Himself. But He was anointed. Why is it that the Son of God, God in the flesh, needs to be anointed to do the mission, to do the work that God had called Him to do? Well, because He lived His life here on the earth just like you and I live our life. He was as much God as God is God, but as much man as man is man. You hear me say that all the time. But He lived His life as the man, Jesus Christ, anointed or indwelt by the power of God through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Christ, the Savior, that is anointed by God through the indwelling of the power of the Holy Spirit. Now I know that well, I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. I'm not the son of God. The only begotten, born of the Spirit, overshadowed Mary 
And she gave birth, the Bible says, to that holy thing. I am not, in that sense of the word, a holy thing. I have the holiness of God imputed to me. But He Himself was in and of Himself holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And yet He set aside not His deity, but the attributes of His deity and took upon the flesh of a man and lived His life as a man and dwelt by the power of God through the Holy Spirit. You can see that the Jesus Christ, which means the anointed Savior. Um, but you also see you know, Jesus of Nazareth. That's in John chapter 18, verse 7. Then you see uh, Jesus, the son of Joseph. Uh, John chapter 6, verse 42. That, that's a, a Greek uh, form of the Hebrew name Joshua. Jesus and Joshua, same name, different languages. A lot of people say, well, you can't be baptized in the name of Jesus. You, I mean, in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. You've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And some people say, yeah, but Jesus wasn't really His name. That was Yeshua or Yeshua. You've got to go back. Listen, it's all the same name. Amen. Just different languages. It all carries the same power. And the same authority that God, what Paul was just saying, God gave up heaven, put on flesh, and became a man. Now Moses, of course, changed it to uh, Jehoshua, or and where we it comes from the word Yeshua or Yeshua, uh, and that's really Yeshua is where we get the Greek form of the word Jesus. But if you'll turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 61, this is where we're really going to spend the, uh, the most of our, our time. Because what I'm, what I'm preaching about is the greatest preacher that ever lived. And here is, is uh, one of his messages. Now, of course, if you want to, you cannot turn to Isaiah 61 verse 1 through 3. But you can actually go to, to Luke chapter 4. And uh, Jesus is in the synagogue. And he, he walks in the house of God, the synagogue. And as, as was the manner of the day, they would invite somebody. There was a stranger that had come into the, into the sanctuary, into the synagogue, to stand up and to share a word. Well, they invited Jesus to stand up and to preach in the synagogue. And of course, he chose the text out of Isaiah 61 in verse 3. And he started reading. You see, he just read his message. Uh, I know Jonathan Edwards read a message uh, here in America called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. He didn't stand behind the pulpit and just preach, you know, from the heart. He literally wrote out his sermon, looked down without looking up at the congregation hardly at all, and read off of a piece of paper, word for word, the very message that he had written down to share with the congregation. That, that sermon, Sinners in the hand, Hands of an Angry God, started the great American revival uh, 150 years ago. God used that in America to bring repentance and rededication and revival to our land. Well, the Lord stood up in the synagogue and He read this. He said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. 
The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. The Spirit is on me. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't believe that a preacher should stand behind a pulpit without being in the Spirit and the Spirit being in him. The Holy Spirit of God is essential for the preaching of the gospel. The men that I mentioned at the outset of this message, some of the, and I don't, again, there are no great men of God. So when I say these great men of God, I'm not talking about their individual greatness, but I'm talking about the greatness of the power of God in them that was visible to the world around them. It was visible because of the Holy Spirit of God using them for His glory and His honor. It's like picking up an ink pen and writing a letter. God picked up these men and spoke the Word of God to millions of people around the world. And Jesus Christ Himself, as a man, living as a man, needed the power of the Holy Spirit to anoint. That's what the anointing is. The Anointed One. The Christ. The Messiah. Well, I'm not the Christ. Billy Graham wasn't the Christ or the Messiah. But he was a man of God that had the power of the Holy Spirit in his heart and in his life. But none was filled to the point that Jesus Christ Himself was filled. You know, I I think about the only begotten Son of God that the Holy Spirit of God came and indwelt and empowered and What is the difference between Him and me? Well, Lord, it's myriads. I mean, worlds of difference. And the main difference is because He was the sinless Son of God. I'm a sinner man. And and dwelt by the power of God only because of the blood of Jesus Christ that washed away my sins and cleansed me to the degree that now God can inhabit and dwell on the inside of this vessel because I've been cleaned by the blood. But Jesus Christ Himself was the sinless Son of God. The child that you've been holding, Mary, is the great I Am. He is God indwelt by God. Preaching the Word of God to a lost and dying people. And he says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. Well, I'll tell you what. There's very little meekness in the world today. If Jesus Christ came to preach the Gospel, isn't it an amazing thing that the Son of God came, gave up heaven, put on flesh, became a man, went to the cross, shed his blood and died and lived this life here, a sinless, perfect life. And during that 33 year life, he was preaching the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news. What is the good news that God gave up heaven, put on flesh, became a man, went to the cross, shed his blood and died. He preached the gospel of himself. See, I'm preaching the gospel of another man, another man's life. Another man that was inhabited and empowered by the Spirit of God. Another man that actually was God Himself in the flesh. But Billy Graham and and, uh, uh, John MacArthur, R.C. Sproul, Ravi Zachariah, all of these men were just men. They were just sinful men. 
that had been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb that allowed them to be anointed by the Holy Spirit of God to come and preach. By the way, just because we're talking about great preachers of our day and days gone by, they're no different than you or anybody else that has been saved by the grace of God. The Holy Spirit of God that dwelt on the inside of them. The Holy Spirit of God that dwelt on the inside of Christ is the same Holy Spirit of God that dwells on the inside of each and every believer. He that hath not the Spirit of God, the Bible says, is none of His. It is a criteria of being a Christian. It's to be indwelled, to be anointed. By the Holy Spirit of God. And for us to be able to use that anointing. To go out into a lost and dying world. And to preach the gospel. Jesus said of himself. The Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. And unto the not so meek. Unto the righteous and those that are. Being faithful, did we lose contact there, brother? Uh oh, it's going quick, isn't it? There you go. I'll learn as we go. If you're on Facebook watching, I apologize. I have a weak battery. From now on, I'll keep it plugged in. But uh, we need to be plugged into that power of the Holy Spirit that I'm talking about, that we might be used by God the way God even used His own Son on this earth. And what he said, the Lord hath anointed me to preach the gospel of good tidings. What is, to preach good tidings. The good tidings is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Boy, I'll tell you what, we've got so many brokenhearted people in our church today. We have lost so many people just in this past year in our nation. This COVID virus has run rampant through this country. It has run rampant just through uh-oh, this parish. Right here where we're at, we have lost in Concordia Parish almost 30 people right here in our own little parish. A lot of them we know. I preached the funeral of one just a couple of weeks ago myself. We've got people in our own church that are wrestling with, with cancer and, and have lost loved ones. Fathers and people that are so close. Well, Jesus says, I have come to bind up the brokenhearted. There's a lot of brokenhearted people that aren't just brokenhearted because of the loss of loved ones, but they're, they're people that are losing their jobs. There are people that are going through divorces. Sometimes togetherness is not the best thing, amen? <laughs> when you're stuck inside a house together and you can't get apart, sometimes it causes friction. And even this COVID virus that has been in our country, or the, the divorce rate has skyrocketed since then. Do you know that Jesus Christ is the answer to all of that brokenness that's going on in our lives, in our homes, in our families? 
And we as the people of God that are indwelt by the same power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus Christ Himself was anointed with, that was empowered with, that went about doing good and healing and touching. And we're not talking about the raising of the dead the way the Son of God did. We're not talking about healing lepers and and taking away their illnesses and diseases. But we are at least able to bind up the brokenhearted and to go let them know that we love them. We're praying for them. And that there is a God in heaven. We have a lady down here that was coming to our church for a while. Uh, things just went south and she uh, she left. Now she's at home. They say she only has three months left. I'm planning on going tomorrow. Maybe this afternoon. Going down, knocking on her door and going in and letting her know there's a God in heaven that loves her. And that there's a preacher down here at this old church where she used to go that loves her too. Amen. You see, we can call people. We can get on. You ain't got to go. You say, well, I'm afraid of coronavirus. I don't want to go knock on people's door and go in the house and hold hands and pray and sit on the side of beds and go to hospitals and things like that. Well, listen, we all got a, a cell phone sitting on our side, on our hip, that we can pick up and call people. Just let them know that we miss them, that we love them, that we're praying for them. And, and in so doing, we are adding bandages. We are binding up the brokenhearted and taking away some of that weight, some of that stress that they're going through. This is a very simple message. This is a Billy Graham message that Jesus Christ is preaching here in Isaiah or in Luke chapter 4 when He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach. What, what am I to preach? Well, good tidings. What is the good tidings? That God has sent His Son into the world and uh, to, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. What, what, are, what are we being set free from? Well, there's a lot of things. Glad you asked. There are people that are bound by sin. They're not very meek. They're very bold. You see them on television. Boy, back during the election when all of the stuff was going on out in the streets and you had the Black Lives Matter and you had the Antifa crowd and all of those people that were burning cities. See, they don't realize it. They don't know that they're bound. By iniquity. We all think we're free. Well, I have free will. I can go where I want to, do what I want to, be who I want to be. Well, absolutely, you can. My friend, as long as you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are bound by sin. And there's only one person that can absolutely free you from the bondage of sin. And we have the power of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us to go to a lost and dying world out into the darkness and shine the light of Jesus Christ in the face of people who are bound by sin, bound by darkness, bound by death. You see, I understand that we have a free will. We can do what we want to. But the bondage is the old nature, the sin nature that dictates to us our want-tos, our desires. Yes, I can go to God. I can ask for forgiveness if I want to. But my friend, you'll never want to until Jesus Christ sets the captives free from the bondage of sin. But He says, The Lord hath anointed me and sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening 
of the prison to them that are bound. And again, that is the same thing that he just got through saying, proclaim liberty to the captives. Who are the captives? They are the people that are bound by iniquity. They are the ones that are in prison. Now, I'm not talking about the way that I'm the chaplain out at the prison. Of course, we need to go to the prisons and to share the love of Christ with the lost and dying world that are bound by the sins of the flesh, that are incarcerated, that are separated from God. You'd be surprised at how many saved people are out there. Do you realize saved people can break the law? Yeah. Yeah, they can. They can get caught. They can go to jail. They can can be broken while in prison, broken hearted, their spirits broken. They need to hear a word from somebody that has the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of them that has changed their lives and therefore they have something to offer to the people who need their lives changed as well. What lifestyle were you living at one time before God saved you? Where did God find you when He reached into your heart, illuminated your mind, drew you to Himself and saved your soul? Does the Holy Spirit of God live on the inside of a person, you, that at one time He was not there? We weren't saved. We didn't know the Lord. We were separated. We weren't sanctified in living the life God had called us to live. He's called us to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Boy, I'll tell you, what, what is the acceptable year of the Lord? Well, I know when mine was. Teresa and I got married in 1987. And my year that was the acceptable year of the Lord for me was that very same year, just a few months prior to that, I found myself in a jail cell and God showed up. And He reached into my heart and illuminated my mind and changed who I was on the inside, not on the out. Listen, I was still ugly. I was still messed up on the outside. But on the inside, God had changed something. I didn't, I didn't know what. I didn't understand. But that was the acceptable year of the Lord or the year that I accepted the Lord into my heart, into my life. And I'm here to preach to people today that, hey, today, this year, now, can be the acceptable year of the Lord in your life. You say, well, I've already accepted the Lord. Yes, but how are we living for it? Like, like we were talking about this morning, are we absolute in our commitment and dedication to Him? Absolute surrender was the name of the Sunday school lesson. Well, yes, I absolutely surrendered to Him back in 1987, but since then, you know, I've backslidden and I'm away from the Lord and I'm not listening. This is the acceptable year of the Lord that you might not receive Him as Lord and Savior, but that you can rededicate and recommit your heart afresh, everything that you are to everything that He is, and allow Him to literally be the Lord over your life. It goes on to say, again, uh, the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. The meek, those are the ones who have received the Lord and bent the knee. Listen, there are none meek, there are none that seek after God until first they have bent the knee and bowed the head, surrendered their hearts and lives. Well, there's good tidings in that even when we are saved, we still need 
the power of God in our lives to help us to live the life that God has called us to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. You see, you can accept Him today, this year, by surrendering your heart and your life to the Lordship of Christ and being saved, or even rededicating and recommitting your life to His leadership, Lordship in your life, or one day you'll stand before Him and you'll hear, depart from me, for I never knew you. That's what this is talking about, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. God is either going to pour out His love and His grace and His mercy in a person's heart and illumination, regeneration and salvation, or the Lord is going to pour out His wrath and vengeance upon all of those who have rejected and rebelled and turned against God. God sent His Son, that babe of Bethlehem, that we might either receive Him, the babe of Bethlehem, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Which is He to you? Is He the babe that gave up heaven and put on flesh, became a man, to reach into your heart and to change your life? To give you salvation and forgiveness? Or is He the Lion of the tribe of Judah that is going to come back and judge the world with wrath and vengeance? The day of vengeance of our Lord. And to comfort all that mourn. Wow, how are those words comforting? You think about what He's saying. He's reading this. But if you will look at Luke chapter 4. I want to turn there and read it from the perspective of Christ reading it before these men. Chapter 4 and verse... Um, let me see, where do I want to start? 16. And He came to Nazareth where He had been brought up. And as was the custom, He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto Him the book of the prophet Isaiah. Or Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the words that we had just been reading. In verse 18, it says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down. Sat down. He didn't preach. The Word of God itself preached the message. But when he said that I have come to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord in the day of vengeance of our God. This can be the acceptable year of the Lord as far as you accepting Him. But I'm telling you, there is a year, there is a time that's coming that He's going to return. That is the acceptable year of the Lord. I don't know whether it's 2020. We only have a few days left in this year. This could still be the acceptable year of the Lord. He could still return. He could come back. 
And all of those who know Him not are going to suffer the wrath and the vengeance of God and the day of vengeance of our God and to comfort all that mourn. There are people here now that are mourning. They are weeping. They are crying. They are suffering. They are going through a pandemic. They are going through a time and a trial in their life like they have never gone through before. There are people in our church that are going through trials right now unlike any they have suffered before. There is weeping and mourning in our own home, in our own family, in our own congregation because of the loss of lives of loved ones and friends. But you look at what it says. We can give them comfort to all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, and to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. You see, God has planted us. He has planted me here. He has planted me in my home, in my family, with my wife, with my children. He has planted me at the prison as the chaplain. He has planted me here as the pastor. Where has He planted you? The Holy Spirit of God has anointed you. God has anointed you by indwelling you with the power of God that Jesus Himself had as He lived a life of humanity, as a man in this world. And He had... He had no, no truck, no car. He had a pair of sandals. He rode a donkey one time into town. Other than that, all I know is he walked everywhere he went and he turned the whole world upside down for the glory and honor of God. What are we doing? What are we doing worthy of inhabiting an overpopulated world that we find ourselves in? People everywhere within arm's reach. I know we're living in a, a six-foot uh, buffer zone now. My friend, we still have technology beyond the people of Jesus' day, comprehension and imagination. We have cell phones. We have computers. We have ways of sharing the Lord Jesus Christ with the lost and dying world. We run out of batteries sometimes. Things happen. But my friend, are we putting forth the effort? Are we trying to be the person that God has anointed us to be? Jesus Christ says, I, I have been anointed. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. I'm afraid that sometimes the truth is the Spirit of the Lord God is in me. But there's a difference between Him being in me and upon me. Upon me carries with it the thought that I am under. He is upon me and I am under His subjection. I am filled. Filled with the Spirit means that He is in control of my life. It's like being filled with wine. Be not filled with wine, but be kept continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. And when you're filled with wine, the wine is in control and you run amok. You do things that you shouldn't do. But when we are under the control, under the influence, under the power 
of the Holy Spirit and we bring ourselves into that subjection. My friend, there is nothing, nothing that God cannot do through us. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me from the inside out. It is the anointing of the Holy Spirit for us not to stand behind a pulpit and preach the Gospel and go out to the prison and be a chaplain. No. But right where you are, right in the place that you're called, the vocation wherewith you were called by God, that you be the person God has called you. You be the preacher that God has called you to be. I can't be, I can't be a Rabbi Zachariah. Boy, Jesus among other gods, what a book. Have you ever read that book by Rabbi Zechariah? Well, when he gets to about the middle of the book and it talks about the, the, the place of evil in our world and why if God is good, God is powerful, God is holy, God is loving, and He is all of those things. And if He is all of those things, then why is there evil and sin and death and depravity and pandemic in our world? Every religion has different answers for things like that. I have an answer for that. Rabbi Zachariah is so eloquent. I'll never be a guy like him. I'm glad I still get to listen to him. I'll never be a Billy Graham. All I can be is me. All you can be is you. By the power of the Holy Spirit in you. Let's pray. Father, we love You. We thank You for Your love and Your mercy. God, thank You for sending Your Son to, to heal the brokenhearted, to bind us up, to help us, God. I am one of those people. Thank You for... Thank You for setting this captive free. For reaching into a prison and opening the door. Thank You for grace. Being merciful. God, I don't deserve it. None of us do. Marvelous, marvelous grace. Grace that is beyond my sin. That is willing to love a wretch like me, and yea, even more than that, to come to live on the inside of me and to use me to preach the Gospel to a, a lost and dying world. God, forgive me for my sin. Forgive me where I fail You. Help me to do better. God, just better. To strive to do better. Not to, not to compare myself with anybody other than You. Lord, when I compare myself to You, I realize how far... I fall short. But God, it's only by Your grace and Your love and Your mercy that we are able to accomplish Your purpose for our lives. Forgive us for our sins. Strengthen us where we're weak. And we give You the glory for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And I ask you to take a hymn book and stand.